Usually, uh, this podcast opens with a scripted prologue, some sort of story of my life, which comments about the overall episode itself. This episode is different. Today, I woke up and I signed on to LinkedIn, and an Anglerfish podcast listener had sent me a message. I'd like to read that message out loud. So now I've caught up on the current series of your podcasts. I've been meaning to sit down and write a quick note just to say, well done. But I wanted it to be more than a hurried note. You see, I was never a criminal. I haven't had a traumatic childhood or early life. But I recognize something of you in me. You defend with humor and laughing things off. Even when you feel extremely upset. Actually, especially when you feel upset. It's the same defense mechanism I have whenever I feel unhappy, uncomfortable, or upset. I'll brush off compliments with a joke. I'll divert attention from something I want to avoid talking about by finding something funny in the conversation. And I'll laugh at myself when I think things are getting too close to me. Well done for putting yourself out there. It must have been damn hard, and I hope it's helped you come to terms with a lot of it. I'd say you shouldn't feel shame or get depressed about your past, but that isn't how our brains work. Whenever you need reminding of the good you've done, don't be afraid to ask people to share one positive thing they've gotten from you. It may seem a little self-important, but think of yourself as a set of scales. On one side, you keep seeing all the negatives, and you're not letting anyone help you fill the other side. You're trying to do that all by yourself. Yet you didn't fill the negative side by yourself, so why try to do the positive without others? When I first saw you speak in London, I was in a worthwhile job, paid okay, but frankly my boss was a typical entrepreneur. The world revolved around him. Because I had the skills, I was head of ops, I was tech support, office manager, client and supply manager, data compliance, as well as project and data analyst. It was grinding me down. After listening to you, I realized that frankly, this was a world I had loved. I missed it and the only thing stopping me was me. In a roundabout way, I found a way to make a difference. I took an opportunity offered to me, I grew it, and now for all my sins, I manage, and here the writer talks about some of the work and the company that they're working for. I'm not going to mention that because I have not asked permission to use that person's name. So we'll continue on from there. I'm being allowed today to run with ideas about how we can help other organizations with protecting or helping people against fraud. That talk you gave may have been to a room of corporate suits, but at one side of the room, you made a difference. You showed me that hell, if Gollum fund could change, then I sure as hell could too. So whenever your personal black dog is biting, reach out. I don't care if it's about recipes for fucking brownies or if it's work-related. Bounce jokes off of me. Stop for coffee in London and pretend you're okay. Or if it's just to say, fucking dog, talk to me. Don't underestimate the difference you make for good. And stop overestimating the impact of negativity you think you've caused the world on the balance of scales. Now I've read that probably ten times today. 
And as you can tell, I get choked up. I've gotten choked up every single time I've read it. Um, the writer was right. I, I do try to cover up a lot with humor. You know, there's a lot of truth in that. If you don't laugh, you cry. And I'm just scared to death that if I, uh, if I don't make jokes about a lot of this stuff, that if I just look at my past, at that abyss, that it may swallow me up. So I do joke a lot, but, but please understand that to me none of this is really a joke. It's just the way I have to process it, the way I have to handle it. It's the only way I can actually sit down and, and talk about it without just breaking up a lot of the time. So with that, let's start the next episode of the Anglerfish Podcast. Welcome to the Anglerfish Podcast, where we visit the darkest corners of our online lives. I'm your host, Brett Johnson. The United States Secret Service called me the original Internet Godfather. Now, what does it take to get a title like that? 39 felonies, a place on the United States Most Wanted list, an escape from prison, and I built the first organized cybercrime community, Shadow Crew. Shadow Crew was a precursor to today's darknet and darknet markets, and it laid the foundation for the way modern cybercrime channels still operate today. This first season of the Anglerfish podcast tells of my rise and fall as the world's first internet godfather. It's a fascinating story. You'll learn how cybercriminals think, how modern cybercrime came into being, and why it's so successful and hard to stop, and how I was able to turn from a life of crime to one of using the knowledge I acquired as a criminal to help protect others against the type of person I used to be. So you read that email I got this morning. Right, and and that was from a girl in London? She was in London. I met her, uh, I guess, a year and a half, maybe even two years ago. I was given a presentation, and... Uh, what it was is, I, you know, on LinkedIn, I, I'm, I'm pretty open about everything that's going on in my life. And someone had commented about the, uh, the Anglerfish podcast that we're doing now. Right. And I had just posted, you know, hey, honestly, it has broken me emotionally, mentally, in every way that you could even guess. You know, I'm starting to question uh, uh, what I've been doing in my life, relationships, everything. And I just put it out there. And I, I guess uh, this young lady, she, uh, she read that and reached out to me and um, it got me I mean I first I woke up this morning at 7 a.m. and I was I checked my phone when I wake up and read that man and um, just tears in the eyes you know you know I I just read it right and I got teary-eyed too (laughs) that that is one hell of a nice email nice long in-depth email that you got there from uh, an admirer. Yeah, she, and, she's outstanding. And she someone that you helped. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, to think about that, I don't know what to say, man. I mean, uh, you know, we did our last episode, and I was talking about me breaking into that community college and stealing those computers. 
and I was, you know, I chuckled through it and everything else, but that's the thing is it's, you know, it's not funny, but honestly, Ken, I, I don't know, I don't know how else to, to talk about that stuff other than joking about it. If I were to sit here and just, you know, let it, let the seriousness of everything that I've done or it's been done to me wash over me. I mean, Jesus, man. I mean, it's it's. You talk about staring into the abyss and the abyss swallowing you up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there, there there you go again with your, you know, with your laughing about something that that's uh, uh, serious. Yeah. And yeah. That you you call it the defense mechanism, uh, Brad. I got to be honest with you. I've heard medical professionals uh, talking about that being. A pathological issue well i i can't i won't argue with that you know know, i won't argue with that um i honestly don't know man i mean it's this this you know i'm doing this podcast and you know i've been doing it for almost three months now prepping everything and everything else and it's got me to the point you know like uh with michelle i just i don't i question the relationship with her you know, I'm putting her through the ringer because of the emotional chaos that I'm going through. You know, and it's not like she's changed. I mean, I've changed, certainly. But she's the same person that I married four years ago. She's the same person I knew seven years ago when we met. She's an outstanding person. She really is. But it's it's this, I guess it's me looking back at, at my past and, and reliving all that. You know, like historically for me, the women that I was involved in, it was all about me saving somebody. Always, always saving somebody. And those women weren't necessarily wanting to be saved. Right. And, and they, I they was, were wanting a fi- the financial yeah, portion. There, were, there was a lot of that. But, yeah. you know, it's like um, the first real girl, girlfriend I had, her name was Christy. She didn't need saving. She didn't. She was okay. So that was a healthy relationship. But after that, it was Susan... And she certainly had that plastered all over. I mean, she wanted out of the house she was in, everything else from there. Uh, We were married for nine years, and it was all about me trying to save her and prove my love to her was what that was. So she leaves, and I go through this line of strippers. And as we know, there's not a stripper on the planet who doesn't have some issues that need fixed. (laughs) And, you know... But, you know, it, it's, it's, that's, that's a lot of my problem, man, is, is and back then, I, I'm better at it now. You know, now I, I, at least consciously, I realize that the only person you can fix is yourself. You can't fix others. But subconsciously, I'm going to tell you, man, especially with me reliving, reliving this podcast stuff, this life stuff I've been doing, there's a part of me that wants to go out and find a stripper and try to save her. <laughs> you know, you not know. that I'm going to, but I mean, there's that part. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not sure how, how Michelle would take this. Uh, you know, I need to go out and find a stripper so I, I can gotta find. No. I need to put on my cape and, and mask, <laughs> Captain Save-A-Ho. <laughs> Save-A-Ho, yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and, I mean, yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, I uh, as I'm as we're doing more and more of these recordings... Like the last recording we did where I'm kind of sitting there chuckling as I'm talking about breaking and entering stuff. Right. That felt, even to me, that felt uncomfortable. 
I mean, I, I was sitting there thinking like, this is not what I need to be doing right now. But at the same time, it's, I honestly, a lot of these times, I don't know how to discuss things without turning it in some sort of joke. You know, you, you see, you, you, you're talking about all this stuff <laughs> that you've done, your past, okay? Right. Uh, some people would call it, he's got baggage. Well, no, there's a little bit. You know? A <laughs> uh, U-Haul full. A no, U-Haul full. A big U-Haul. <laughs> okay? A uh, shipping container full of baggage of the past that you're bringing out. And if it makes you feel better talking about it, <laughs> you know, I, I hope that we're getting to the people right now that need to hear this. You well, you know, know I, that, that's the weird thing. I got this email today. And uh, this woman was saying this, and, and I read the email out loud before before we started recording today. So, I, you know, I, I see that I help her, and that's, that's, that's a compliment. That is. I understand that is. But even, even she understands that giving me a compliment, I'm going to try to make a joke out of it. I can't just accept compliments. Hell, my first cousin, she's a counselor in eastern Kentucky. We talk on Facebook all the time. And she tries to give me compliments, and I'll deflect the compliment. And right. she'll call me out on it. Can't you just take a compliment? Well, no. No, sometimes I can't. You know, it's just <laughs> I'm not used to that. You know, it's it's difficult for me to uh, it's difficult for me to accept that I can help people. You know, I've, I've uh, spent so many years just hurting people. That it's difficult for me to accept that uh, that I can make a positive difference. That's the whole reason you're here right now. Yeah, talking to this audience is so you can help them, and this this is this is healing you. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and I don't want to sound like a freaking <laughs> preacher, man. You know, it's not Ken Allen. It's <laughs> Doctor Phil today. <laughs> yeah, but. It, th this is helping you heal, okay? Yeah. And it's also explaining to people, hey, this is what you could be in right now if you are a bad person. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I... You can be going through some serious pain right now. Yeah, and you know, that's that's the thing. is I, I served six years. I was sentenced to seven and a half. I served six behind the fence or behind bars. And I can tell you now that... Um, the number of sociopaths that I met may have been two throughout my entire prison time. The other 100% that are in there, they feel nothing but pain. Nothing but pain about uh, the people they've hurt, the loved ones they've lost. And I was no different than that. You try to cover it up. Hell, I try to cover it up on every single presentation I give and, and podcast I record. You know, because uh, if you can't cover it up, you're sitting there, you're looking at yourself. And that's what I do is I look at myself a lot and I, I think about, I'm 49, I think about the 40-some years that I've wasted doing nothing but committing crime. And then the only reason I'm here today is that people reached out and gave this, this son of a bitch that didn't do anything but be a criminal a chance to do good. Instead of looking at the past as a waste, take what you have done <laughs> as a learning experience even though it was a mistake 
Oh, your brother was that. You know, several mistakes. <laughs> several, okay. several. But you can't take the whole portion of your life and say, my last 49 years was a total mistake. Well, you, you know, got, you got to take it from right now, Brett, right, you're right. now, you're right. and go forward and make the best of everything. Help you're everybody right. you can and I, I with do. your experience. I do, I do that. But, you know, it's uh, like I was at Quantico three days ago. And um, every time I walk in that door, you know, it's got the FBI logo above the building and everything. And I, I stop and I look at that. Fidelity, integrity, bravery, you know. And then uh, where I go to speak, you have to walk through the cafeteria there. And you see all the cadets that are having lunch. And uh, a buddy of mine that uh, is at the CISO Academy there, John Swartz, he said it. He was like, you know, these guys, and it's true. I mean, they're, they are the best of the best, and they give up lucrative careers, lucrative careers, because they believe in doing the right thing. And my, my first time I, at Quantico, I told them, I was like, you know, seeing all these guys that are at this age, they're just giving up massive amounts of money because they believe in doing something for the better and then I looked at my life and said, you know, I, for years, the only thing I was concerned with was stealing money. Yeah, it was money to, to show love to people, but still it was stealing money. You know, the, the, the exact opposite of what these guys are doing. And that's just, that's a hard pill to swallow, man. That is, that's a hard pill to swallow. Where yeah. are you now? Where are you today? Well, I, today I'm all right. You okay. know, I, I'm still I still carry around a lot of guilt. You know, I deal with that all, every day. Um, I take road trips all the time just to think through this bullshit. You know, I, my wife uh, she she always wonders why I, you know, if, if it's within driving distance and driving distance to me is a nine hour drive. <laughs> you know, if it's within driving distance. I'll drive it because it gives me time to process every single thing that, that's going on in my life and to think things through, you know. Um, and I spent a lot of time thinking. I'm When I started speaking about the third speech in, that's true. I've, I've mentioned this before to people, but it's really true, man. About the third speech in, I came to two conclusions. The first conclusion was is whenever I'm on stage, I am going to tell the truth regardless of who may or may not like it. You know, if I call your company a bunch of assholes, to me, I'm not lying. They are. Uh, it seems, <laughs> seems like in editing one of your podcasts from another series, I had to edit out you calling a company a yes. bunch of assholes. Yes, you did. And, you and know, I, I didn't to want to, and you didn't want me to either, but somebody else insisted. Right. And it was, you know, it's for the better. I, I agree. That was for the better. It was, yeah. it was, I shouldn't have used that language or I should have explained it better on stage. But I, I believe in telling the truth, not only on that extent, but also toward me. And that was the other part of that was anytime I'm talking to people, I want to try to, to learn more about myself and what, why I tick, why I do the things I do. And that's one of the reasons, uh, that I think Michelle and I, my wife, Michelle and I are having such problems is, and I told her this not very long ago, that the most important thing to me is to find out who I am. There's nothing on this planet more important to me right now than finding out who I am and why I do the things I do. I think if I can't answer that, 
that my entire life is completely meaningless. I have to be able to answer that for myself. So that's what I do is I, I just try to figure that out. <laughs> and you got this look on you like, I don't know about all that, Brett. Uh, you know, I, 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 I want to play, uh, I, I play psychologist, and I, I, I really shouldn't. Not, not on this, not on this uh, podcast. Well, but, tell me there, uh, Dr. Phil. Well, <laughs> you're, what, what drives you right now? What, what is your... My main goal right yeah, now yeah, is to not be remembered as a guy who stole shit. Brett, you're building your life around the guy who stole <laughs> shit. Okay. Yep. Right now. Yep. Okay. But um, I don't. I, here's the thing. I, I understand that that my background is one of the reasons that I am uh, uh, listened to. All right. It's one of the reasons people pay me high dollars to speak. That's right. All right. But by the same token, when I when I give a presentation, the first 15 minutes are Brett's background, that crime story. The next 30 minutes are me talking about ways to protect yourself against that person I used to be. So I don't want to be remembered as that guy who broke the law. Or if I do, I won't be, excuse me, I won't be remembered as the guy who turned it around. You will be. You will be. So that that's the thing. Um, and I, it's, and I, maybe I overstated things there, but I do, it's, to me, it's, it's, I have to be able to answer those questions for myself. I have to be able to look in the mirror myself and say, you know, you're all right now. You're okay. Keep in mind, there's going to be some little hotshot FBI agent <laughs> somewhere, <laughs> Secret Service, whatever, you know, uh, you know, local yokel cop. Right. That's going to say, okay, you did this. Sure. You're on the... Um, what do you, what do we call it? The um, cyber criminal offenders list for life. <laughs> for life. Yeah. There's no redemption. You can't turn that around. You're acting. You're lying. Whatever. But you know there aren't going to be that many of those. Okay. You're right. No, you're right. So there are more people yeah. that are interested in what you can do to help them. I mean, you're right. You are. You're right about that. And and what you're saying is true. I mean, the number of people who have doubted my conversion or reformation or whatever you want to call it are very few and they become fewer every day. And those who do doubt it with every single passing day, it becomes less likely that they're right about what they're saying. You know, you can't continue to say that he's, oh, he's acting when every single day he doesn't violate any laws except for speeding like a madman on the highway. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say that, man. You know, I, I've just introduced the local police department to this podcast, okay? You're going to get in trouble. Yeah. I got two notices like three weeks ago. I, didn't, they, I guess they had cameras in the towns that I was speeding through at 3 a.m. in the morning. Uh-huh. So I was like, what on earth is this? But, uh, yeah, you know. It's, that, that, wait, now i got to go back to that. You got notices from the town saying that you were. From whatever company processes the camera for speeding. One's wow, from so. Brantley, Alabama, and I forgot where the other one's from. Okay, well, at least they weren't cameras from local ATMs. Or well, that's ATMs out of because I've been on those too. I know you have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been on those. We all know that. So, all right. Good. But speaking of ATMs, you want to talk some more about Counterfeit Library and Shadow Crew and all yeah, that stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. We now we've moved a little bit away from Counterfeit Library and and getting close 
So I had talked about script coming in and uh, how we transitioned over to credit theft from basically eBay fraud and identity theft, right? Right, and script is the character. Script is Dmitry Golubov, Ukrainian guy, who uh, he was a spammer. He saw what the success we had with counterfeit library, so he gets it in his head that he wants a site like that. He calls his buddies, they call their buddies. 150 of them end up meeting in Odessa for a conference, a criminal conference, where they come up with this idea of Carter Planet, a credit theft site. Odessa, and we ain't talking about Texas. We are not. We are not. We're talking about the Ukraine. So um, they meet, they launch Carter Planet, and then they find out after they launch that, you know, while they've got all the product in the world, that there are three necessities of cybercrime, gathering that data that they've got, committing the crime, which they sometimes can do, and cashing out, which they cannot do. So Script comes over to Counterfeit Library and starts trying to hawk his wares, and I, re- I re- review the guy and basically open up that entire platform, and we end up partnering. So if anyone's ever wondered where the Ukrainians ended up partnering with the United States people, it's right there at that moment Yep, is when I reviewed them. Script at that point starts bringing over his buddies. All right, And because I was the head of Counterfeit Library, of course, I review all their buddies, and I become buddies with them. Right. So the people who, who he brought over, uh, the next one was Roman Vega. He went by the screen name of Boa. He sold credit card dumps. And for those who don't know what a dump is, on the back of your credit card or debit card, that magnetic stripe, there are three, three data tracks there. The first data track is the customer's name. Second data track is the card number, an equal sign, 16-digit algorithm out beside of that. Third data track is called indiscriminate data. No one uses it. What's bought and sold on these marketplaces and forums and what BOA was selling was track two data because when you swipe the card, the only information that's sent out to the bank or processor for verification is that second data track. So he was selling these things for $30, and I became his sole United States seller. If anyone bought anything off Counterfeit Library or any U.S. buyer, they had to go through me. Any, any U.S., any U.K. buyer had to go through me. So that's what happened with that. Uh, that was the first person he brings over. The next person he brings over is a guy named Big Buyer. who uh, And here's the thing. They all had basically their own websites and marketplaces that they ran. So Script didn't really have one except for Carter Planet. Boa had his own website called Boa Factory where you could actually go and buy the dumps. You could pick out the dump you wanted and buy it. Um, <laughs> Big Buyer ran a thing for ATO. So an ATO is an account takeover. Back then, we used to call it COB for change of billing, all right? Big Buyer's website was impressive. So what you could do there is you'd go to his website, you'd log in, he, he, you'd have to register and you'd have a login there. Then it would list the different credit cards that were available and the bank. Now, what you had to do with everybody else, if you were doing COBs or ATOs, you would buy that credit card information and then you would have to log into the bank account or call the bank and update the billing address. Big Buyer's site wasn't like that. Big Buyer, you would log into the site, you would buy five or ten cards at a time, then you would just put whatever billing address you wanted to there, and his site would update that automatically through the bank. Ah. So it was very impressive, very impressive. And those things initially sold for anywhere from $20 up to about 35 Once they became really popular, they sold for a percentage of whatever the, whatever the available balance was on that account. So, you know, 8 to 10% of whatever the balance was on that card is what it would sell for at that point. Um, 
I was friends with all these guys and got all that stuff free because well now you say you were friends with all these guys you never actually met these guys right well they did used to do safari down in south africa Ah. so there were a couple of excursions where we went and did that kind of stuff all right but uh, typically you wouldn't meet people or at least we would say we wouldn't meet people Uh, the truth of the matter was is as as you make more and more money with people you start to share personal details at that point or you start to meet and that's typically what we we ended up doing as as the story of shadow crew goes on you'll see what i'm talking about that's one of the reasons things start to fall apart you're not talking about having a big conference like uh your anti fraud that's just you know we got it in our head probably the last year that shadow crew was alive that we had all head over to vegas at defcon that we'd have Shadow Crew shirts made up and coffee mugs and stickers and all that bullshit. So we talked about it a couple of days until someone pointed out, you know, we're all criminals. <laughs> Why would we want to walk into DEFCON telling everybody who we are? Entrepreneurs. That's it. Get criminals. That's it. Okay, I got it. So we decided that wasn't a good idea. But, uh, yeah, Script brought all these people, and he brought one guy in. Uh, he went by the screen name of DP32, who provided proxy services. Because pretty soon after we started with credit card theft, we realized that we really needed different IP numbers to sign in from. And we were using, I, I think, it was, I forgot what socks it was at that point. But DP's site, that was impressive too. So you could sign on, and then you'd click the country that you wanted your IP in. And this, this map would load up of the country. Then you'd click the area where you wanted the IP, you know, the state or whatever. Then it would zoom in on that. And then the city, and it would zoom in on that. Oh, man. <laughs> and then you just say, I want to see like I'm coming from here. So, And you just picked one for like $3 at that point. So that was a DP. But there were all kinds of these guys that had services like that. We had fishing people that were doing that. It was very, it became a really refined type of marketplace and forum structure. And, and what's interesting it didn't occur to me until I was talking to this guy, Peter Taylor, over in the UK. And typically when you're talking about cybercrime, a lot of people will compare it to, to, to traditional types of businesses. But Peter made the, the most accurate representation or comment toward that that I could think of. So I was telling him how it worked, and he was like, well, basically, man, it looks like it was a co-op. And I, I paused, and I was like, you know, you're right. Because what happens is, is these these guys, these criminals, myself included, I was the head of it, kind of the manager of everything. But you'd have guys that would typically cycle in and out of whatever crimes or groups they wanted to work with. And that's the way the stuff would work. It, it became this co-op type structure to facilitate cybercrime. And this was all happening on Counterfeit Library. Transitioning from Counterfeit Library over to Shadow Crew became the problem. Now, Counterfeit Library at that point... We were basically the Wild West of forums. There was no, I I ran the forum, but there were no moderators. I didn't edit or delete posts or anything else like that. So what happens with us, we had a sub-forum because the Counterfeit Library site dealt with counterfeit degrees and certificates. So we had a sub-forum within our credit theft sites there. We had a sub-forum that dealt with degree mills, reviews, references, certificates, everything else like that. Well, there was this legitimate distance learning guy, and we had several degree mills that we were running through Counterfeit Library. 
there was a legitimate distance learning guy that had been on Good Morning America. He had a huge following. He had his own forums, everything else. I don't know. I think his forum at one point had 30,000 registered members, some crap like that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody clues him in that we're running a degree mill. What does he do? He posts that bullshit on his forums, gets all of his members riled up. They start coming over and basically bombarding us, flooding our forum with bullshit posts. So if we're actually looking to conduct business, you'd have to go four or five pages deep to actually get to where legitimate posts were all of a sudden. It became really problematic. At about the same time, because we had tr transitioned over from eBay fraud and identity theft, we transitioned, we were doing straight credit card theft, phishing cards, cashing out, everything else. So we were doing straight that way. One of the main guys that was on Counterfeit Library, his name was Seth Sanders, went by the screen name of, screen name of Kid, K-I-D-D. He comes to me. He was an ID maker. That's all he was, was an ID maker. And we had several ID makers. We had Kevlar. We had um, Lighthawk. We had Gray Wolf. All these guys would make these different IDs. And some of them were very good IDs. Like, for example, Gray Wolf and uh, uh, Kevlar, they made IDs that would pass in state. So Kevlar made a Michigan ID that was outstanding. You could actually use the Michigan ID in the state of Michigan. And uh, kid comes to me one day, and he, he, he always hated the credit card theft. Always hated that. So he comes to me, and he's like, Gollum, can I go off and make another website that just deals with making fake IDs? And I'm like, dude, I don't care. Go do you, man. So he goes off, makes his own website. That website's called Shadow Crew. Is mm. what it is. So he actually makes the website Shadow Crew. The problem with it was is it it was only for fake driver's licenses. That's the only thing he had on there. We were selling fake ID packages with credit cards on Counterfeit Library. So Kid only had probably sixty members that came over and signed on, and there was very little traffic, no business whatsoever. Meanwhile, we're getting bombarded by this guy with this distance learning following. All these trolls are coming over. So kid's over there at Shadow Crew probably four to six weeks. Comes back, gets me on ICQ, and he's like, uh, he sees the problems that I'm having with Counterfeit Libraries forums. And he's like, hey, man, why don't you come on over to Shadow Crew? Bring everybody over there. And I'm like, man, I don't know. He's like, man, he's like, you know, we've got, we can do mods, admins. You can edit whatever you want to. He said it's just a more structured type place. Plus, we don't record any IPs on the forum side. And I'm like, Really? He's like, yeah, I got up with the PHP people. They wrote me a script. They didn't know who they were writing it for. So we don't capture IPs on the forum side. We do it on the, on the server side, but not the forum side. So I'm like, you know, that's not bad. I said, tell you what, I'll agree to do it. You make me an admin. You let me come up with whatever forms I want to come up with and put whoever I want to in charge, and we'll make this happen. So he was like, done. 48 hours later, literally 48 hours, counterfeit libraries forums are shut down. Everybody migrates over to Shadow Crew. And right there is that, that. So, right now, what's known today is Shadow Crew and Carter Planet. Shadow Crew was the big one. Um, but it starts with counterfeit library, and that was the transition that got us over to Shadow Crew there. Now, when everything went bad, see what happens is, is I step out, and we'll talk more about that in a later episode. But I step out of the way of Shadow Crew and kind of retire. The people who I had in charge, they then step in and take over. So we've got uh, Black Ops. His name was David Appleyard, a retired mortgage broker. 
we have a couple other kids that, that kind of step in to those positions of leadership. So that when they were busted, when that site actually gets busted by federal and, and worldwide law enforcement, who gets the blame of running the site? Those guys I had left behind. So, And that's what had to happen because law enforcement comes in, arrests these people. Are they going to say, well, we didn't get the people who started the site? No, they're not going to say that. They're going to say, you started the site, <laughs> and we're going to give you as much time as we possibly can. So that, that's, what, that's what happened at that point. Um, I think it's kind of important that we mention, because I talk a lot about the crime and that structure of, of cybercrime. But the victims that we had, you know, we, we, it's important that, that people out there listening understand that while we were stealing a lot of information, the information we were using was causing nothing but harm to people. Uh, one of the examples that I like to talk about is E-Trade. So we were doing a lot of phishing. And back then with phishing, when you sent a phishing email out, you could ask every single thing on the planet. You know, you could ask 30 different questions, and the people would fill in all 30 different fields for you. So you could ask name, address, phone, social, date of birth, driver's license, mother's maiden, account numbers, passwords, card numbers, pins, and they would fill in every single one of those blanks. Mm. You can't do that now, of course, because people know it's a phishing email. But uh, back then you could do that. We, we did that for E-Trade. Sent out, you know, Two million of these things got back two hundred thousand accounts with the E-Trade logo and everything. Oh yeah, yeah, look just like the yeah. E-Trade. So we we had we had fished several thousand accounts out initially, and that's that's the story of cybercrime starting out. These companies really didn't understand the degree with which they'd be hit with fraud, and even today, if you've got a new product that's launched, you don't understand how much fraud you're going to be hit with until you're really hit with it. And we see that time and time again. We see it with uh, Venmo, Cash App, these new services like uh, even the Apple Wallet, things like that. When products are first launched, you really don't understand how much fraud you're going to be hit with, and you're eaten alive with it. E-Trade was no different. So we had fished out several thousand E-Trade accounts. The way E-Trade ran at that point, we could go in and log into someone's account sell everything they had and do an ACH, wire money out from that account to any account we wanted to wire it to, even if it was in a different name. So we started doing that and stealing a lot of money and basically ruining people's stock portfolios. And that lasted for about six months, what we call wide open. There was nothing to stop it. All right, And no, from what we could tell, no attempts by E-Trade to stop it. They just let it happen. Now, I'm sure they saw it going on, and they were just being slow about instituting security. Six months later, though, E-Trade basically shuts down the ability to send out ACH, that American automated clearinghouse, the, the wires. So we're sitting on, I don't know, we're probably sitting on probably 20,000 E-Trade accounts at that point. And the question becomes, you know, hey, we were stealing a lot of money. How do we still capitalize on these accounts if we can't ACH the money out of those accounts. What we ended up doing was we would open up a fraudulent account in a, in a fake ID. With that fraudulent account, we would buy penny stocks. Then we'd go through our logins. We'd find somebody with a fat portfolio 
would sell all their blue chips, use that money to buy the same penny stock we had bought and boost our value up and then sell that same penny stock that we had just profited on by pumping and dumping to one of these other logins. <laughs> so, and that, that's actually quite brilliant, but, but illegal. Isn't but, it? and, and here's what you're doing. You know, you're only benefiting maybe three, $4,000 at a time, but to benefit that three, $4,000, you are literally destroying people's retirement funds mm-hmm. is what you're doing. And that's, that's one of the things that, uh, I just think it's really important because a lot of the times, you know, you read articles about cybercrime or financial fraud and things like that, and and you read about how it's done or how much money was stolen or how much time the criminal got in prison, but you never really consider the damage that's done to the victim. And I I think it's important that uh, that's mentioned. I mean, that's that was just one occurrence. But we did that across the board with credit cards, with bank accounts. You know, we would take over eBay accounts and rip people off at Christmas. I was notorious for that. You know, I'd, I'd find whatever the hot item was and post it and steal money from people that trying to buy gifts at Christmas. Uh, so it's, I, I just wanted to get that out and talk about that. Thank you for listening to this episode of Anglerfish. I appreciate it. If you like it, please subscribe and drop me a line saying hello. Hello is always good. You can reach me direct at brettjohnson at anglerfish.com. That's brett, B-R-E-T-T, Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, at anglerfish, A-N-G-L-E-R-P-H-I-S-H.com. Please tell your friends about us. Rate and review the Anglerfish podcast wherever you can. In the next few weeks, we'll be launching Season 2 of Anglerfish, which will examine the darkest corners of our online lives and what you need to do to remain safe. Please email me questions, comments, concerns, personal stories, and any topics you might like to hear discussed. That's brettjohnson at anglerfish.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Brett Johnson. Stay safe, stay secure, and stay vigilant.